0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello.
1: And I'm Nick Ruckrout.
0: And on today's episode of the podcast, we will be talking all about the new live action remake of Mulan on Disney+. Plus.
1: For better or worse.
0: <laughs> I have to say, I've watched more Disney in the past week than is appropriate for an adult. And I'm glad to move on to prepare for our next episode. <laughs>
1: I will be more excited for our next pod, is the short answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of that, you will be so excited to know that Nick and I have both seen Tenet. It has happened. We will be talking about it on our next episode. I'm very excited for that recording as we try to make sense of everything that we saw. So we have a special guest with us today, our dear friend, man of the people, Ryan Lamb. Welcome.
2: Hey, Sophia. Hey, Nick. I am so pumped to get a chance to sit down with you guys today and talk about movies. I definitely think we all have very different takes on movies, and I'll never forget watching the 2014 Oscars with you guys, which I'm not sure if you guys remember this, but... I'm really scared of what you're
0: about to say.
2: I'm pretty sure that by the red carpet, I knew that I was in trouble um so (laughs) sounds about right (laughs) just in terms I think of the academic level to which you guys take watching movies I'm not always quite at that level but I definitely love movies I'd say way more than your average person so I'm very lucky that you guys decided to let me talk about this movie and and get a chance to spend some time talking about Disney today as well I don't know if it's our level but we'll see how long you make it on the pod today (laughs) (laughs) I may be kicked off at some point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think one reason that I've always loved talking to you about movies is that you bring a different perspective. And I think I always go to you for input on not only what people might think of the movies that I really love that might be a little too out there, but also of what people are thinking about movies like Marvel or Disney, you know, those kinds of things. So this is the perfect time for us to have you on. So going into Mulan, what was your relationship to the 1998 Mulan? Did you have one? Was it one of your favorites? How did you feel about that? Because I think that influences maybe how you felt about this 2020 Mulan.
2: So for me, the 1998 Mulan wasn't necessarily my top tier Disney movie growing up. I was more Lion King. I would watch that on repeat and Aladdin. Maybe that's just being a little boy and loving The Lion King because it's got a male lead. And and same thing with with Aladdin as well. And certainly, I think we'll talk about representation and whatnot later on. But I think that's a big point there for me and why I identified with those movies more. But that being said, I still really did enjoy Milan. I, I loved the soundtrack. So, you know, I definitely had a relationship with it. It was definitely higher than maybe Beauty and the Beast, which I didn't really care about. Oh, Ryan. Um, At least the animated original one. (laughs) I kind of feel the same way as Ryan.
1: I had seen all the Disney movies growing up, and it wasn't my favorite, but, I mean, it wasn't the worst either. But I think overall, I enjoyed it, and the music was a huge part of that. Before I talk about what I thought of this one, what was your relationship with it? I
0: love Mulan. I loved the animated version. I think too coming out in 1998 it was one that I remember seeing in theaters and remember really loving. I remember being a little bit scared of it but also being really into it. Part of the reason was the music I'll Make a Man Out of You is one of my favorite Disney songs ever probably top 5.
2: In total tragedy that it was not included, even hinted at oh, in the score of the yeah. remake. We
0: will get to that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but I think to growing up a girl who was very athletic and into sports and I liked competing with the boys. I just loved seeing this and we'll definitely talk about this again too, but seeing this regular girl who Felt like kind of an outcast, really do something heroic and prove that through hard work and perseverance that she could do something to make her family proud. I loved that story. I think I thought it was very moving. And on rewatch, too, to prepare for this episode, I was still just as moved as I was as a kid watching it. So, all this to say, the 2020 (laughs) live action version, I was a little disappointed in. It didn't quite have the heart that the animated version did. And Mallory Rubin said this really well, and I completely agree that part of the power of Mulan and what I felt as a little girl watching it was that she was a regular girl doing all these things. And I think that in this live action version, she was already exceptional. She was already Mm -hmm. gifted and athletic and powerful. Whereas Mulan in the animated version was kind of clumsy and just didn't really know who she was yet and had to work to get to that level. And I thought that was much more powerful as a kid than this version, where I think that it shows that as a woman to get ahead, you have to be exceptional. And I don't like that message as well.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, with any of the remakes, none of them are really as heartwarming as the originals. And I feel... About that, for any type of remake, not just Disney specific. I haven't even seen all of them. I agree with what you said. It was just upsetting. There was a Verge article that came out, and the title was just like spot on Mulan is the year's most beautiful letdown. And it is beautiful. The
2: cinematography and the colors are so vibrant and it's stunning. Yeah, for me, that was one of the highlights that I noted from the movie was the color and how there's been this trend, and I think, in movies. It really started, I think, in like the Harry Potter era where movies just got really dark and drab. And it was just the cool thing to make everything just look so grim. And so to see the reds and the blues in the Imperial Army costumes and, mm-hmm. and the golds at the Imperial Palace really popped off of the more drab landscape and the color that I loved the most and really stood out to me was the fight between the Falcon and Mulan later on in the movie where they're fighting in this geothermal well area and there's vents there and just it looks so gorgeous watching all of the steam rise up around and then she's crawling over this orangish yellowish ice and that was just stunning to look at I think I was still paying attention at that point (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah no ryan i totally agree with you i the colors and just the look of the movie i think it kind of tricked me into thinking it was more fun than it actually was if i'm a kid watching this you know trying to get into that mindset because these movies i think are for children
2: but i don't think the filmmaker thinks that it's for children not at all i think for the first 70 percent of the movie it's very self-serious and I think that's kind of where I started to be lost was when the movie starts to then embrace that campiness mm-hmm. a little bit more and, and weird, bizarre things happen in the plot. And you're like, wait, what movie am I watching? Yeah. Why is there a fight <laughs> over a lava pit?
1: Exactly. It was like, how did this turn into this like huge, constructed, wooden thing? And now they're like doing flips and trying to save the emperor who's going to fall to his death. It's like... What is happening? They really
2: take a lot of the humor Mm -hmm. out of the animated movie. And they have one of Mulan's comrades, a little bit chubby soldier who's really cute and definitely would have been me (laughs) if I was in Mulan. He's definitely the comic relief, but he's pretty much the only comic Mm -hmm. relief in the movie. When
0: I said this new one didn't have the heart that the animated one had, the comedy and the music help, I think, to really make you root for Mulan as a character in this, you know, group of misfits in the army with her. And in this version, you just don't see that because they take those things away.
1: I think even when the movie just started, when Mulan is running around the market and chasing this chicken, like there was an increased shutter speed and then Mulan's parents are screaming at her and telling her to stop and that she's making a fool out of their family and herself which you know continues on and that her fighting like the animated version you know is disgrace upon their family but it just seemed way too over the top and maybe not for the generation that we're in right now like that is a theme in how it came across on screen, just something about that didn't click for me. I
0: think too, it leads into both that scene and the scene with her at The Matchmaker, which is just pure comedy in the animated version. It has hints of magic that come back later on, which I'm not really sure why this movie felt the need to be magical.
2: Well the movie itself, if you're talking about magic, I think has really interesting relationship Mm -hmm. with magic because There are certain characters that are very clearly magical, right? Mm -hmm. The Falcon. And then there's the Phoenix that is meant to symbolize Mulan's family and ancestors, which I think is to kind of replace Mm -hmm. Mushu who I think was deemed offensive. Right. And then beyond that, like the emperor at one point is in a fight scene where he, <laughs> towards the end, where it again, embraces the camp of the movie. And he's got like these long fabric cloths. I'm not sure what you would put like their hangings. And he's like beating up all of the enemy soldiers with this fabric. And then Mulan herself, you talked about how her, she's just absolutely excellent, just from being from a child nick discussing the market scene and she the choreography of the scene is just Mm -hmm. beautiful but again is is mulan magical and so i I didn't really understand the rules of magic (laughs) in this world i think that
1: comes back to is this movie for kids and adults and disney just as a company makes films that are for both inside out is very kid friendly but then deeper down you have this theme about mental illness That really only adults are going to understand. So I think in these remakes, they're using action through CGI to entice an older audience. Kids are really in it for the fun of it, seeing these big scenes come out, and the adults can also enjoy them too. And they're not like kiddish animation movies where... Like, I pulled my mom to go see the Pokemon movie when it came out and she fell asleep (laughs) in the theater. Like, it's not like that (laughs) anymore, but it can still be, like, visually stunning for anybody Mm -hmm. seeing it. And I think that's where the conundrum comes in of trying to make everybody happy, but what does that end up becoming?
2: I think that's one example of trying to understand who is this movie for and, you know, is it kids? Is it adults? But I think also, is this movie for a Western audience? Is this movie for a Chinese audience? The 98 film was actually delayed a year after release in the United States before it was opened in China. And a big part of that was actually some controversy around another release that Disney had supported in China that related to, I think it was a Martin Scorsese film. Kandun, do you guys know that movie? I like it. Yeah, I, I don't know <laughs> I like it. So again, this is, this is my naivety. I, I try to say that I don't watch movies made before 1990, um, but apparently maybe maybe it's 1997, <laughs> but I don't watch movies before. That's one of his like most bizarre. I haven't seen it either, just to be fair. But Kundun was sympathetic to the Dalai Lama, and China was not happy about that, and because Disney was involved, they punished Disney by not allowing them to release Mulan in China, which obviously Disney, I'm sure, was thinking, oh, this is going to be huge for us in in reaching the Chinese audience, which in the late 90s is starting to grow. And so that was a big deal for Disney to miss out on that. And it didn't get around to being released till a year later. And Disney had to do a lot of things, you know, including they actually committed to building a theme park in Hong Kong, which has since been opened as a result of the drama around wow. the Kundun release. and and then trying to get Mulan released in China. And so uh, it's very obvious that they were very, very heavily considering how was China going to perceive this movie. And that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, this is a, a Chinese fable. The Ballad of Mulan was... A poem from the third or fourth century AD. So Disney wanted to respect the Chinese people when they created this release. And I'm Western, right? I'm, I'm American. I'm not sure necessarily all of the changes that were made, but I think it's obvious that they made an effort to cast uh, all Chinese actors, which I think is awesome. And they, they should have done that. I, I, you guys were talking about diversity and representation at the top of the podcast.
1: Well, Ryan, you mentioned diversity, and I really didn't pick up on any queer roles that were going on in the movie.
2: No, I mean, I think obviously the 98 version was, I think, very important for a lot of people in the trans community. I've read articles and quotes of people talking about approaching the star who voiced Mulan, Ming-Na Wen who was saying people would come up to her and say how impactful this was for for their children and boys who could see, hey, I can be a girl or a girl who can who can be a boy. And, and I think that's why this movie's been really, the original movie was embraced by the queer community. And certainly, you know, the core idea is still exists here in this movie, but beyond that, I don't think Disney did anything to embrace queerness yeah. in the movie.
0: And Mulan can be a more interesting story but instead they chose to bring in this witch character who Mulan ended up having to fight as the only other woman in the story and I think a lot of that what could have been very interesting and also more faithful to the fable and the story that you were talking about Ryan I think that that would be far more interesting than what they tried to do which I think is also an issue I often have with Disney which is they follow a formula, and they're trying to appeal to the most people. And I think sometimes when that happens, it falls flat.
2: I mean, ultimately, too, you talk about they're trying to make this appeal more to the Chinese market, and this movie does not resemble original Mulan fable any more than the '98 version. They do do some cool things that do nod to the fable. There's a scene in. Early in the movie where Mulan comes actually in from hunting and then she comes and sees her family and she says, oh, I was out hunting and I saw two hairs running on the ground and I couldn't tell, you know, if it was a boy hair or a girl hair. And that's actually the closing line of The Ballad of Mulan. Mulan tells a story about Mm -hmm. she not being able to distinguish between two hairs when they're running close to the ground. So it was a really cool nod that they made. I looked at box office and I think it only brought in like $23 million.
0: Yeah. Despite Disney's attempt to appeal to Chinese audiences, those aren't great numbers. But I will also say, and maybe this is a good transition into the boycott of Mulan, local Chinese authorities did impose a media blackout on coverage in an attempt to diminish and hide the growing outcry over the ties to the region where some of Mulan was filmed.
1: I saw this whole uproar happening on Twitter. So in the end credits, Disney thanked the publicity department of the Chinese Communist Party Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region Committee. But that's the region where more than a million, maybe over two million Uyghur Muslims are being persecuted and put in these concentration camps, which they are calling these re-education centers, which is horrific that in 2020, we're dealing with another Holocaust and the persecution of these people based on their religion. It's so devastating. It's hard to put into words.
0: Yeah, it's horrifying. And I think if you're thinking about just movie credits, it's pretty standard to thank the region or specific places where you're filming. But this is a completely different set of circumstances where it is just completely inexcusable to do this.
1: Right. So I saw this come out and it's like, do I even want to watch the movie now? Because you are supporting them. You're paying Disney and they're the ones who went to this region and said, this is okay. And film the movie.
2: I would obviously agree with Nick that it's totally horrific. Uh, you know, from the articles I read, it's not entirely clear when Disney was filming this, if they were fully aware of what was going on in that region. But certainly, you know, by this point in time, th- they are aware. And so to actively be thanking them is terrible. You know, as Nick, you said, it, it's it's hard, like, do you, you want to support a company that supports this? But we're talking Disney here, right? So if you were say, I'm not supporting Disney, that's like, a quarter to maybe more of all media and so it, it certainly makes you question you know what are your cho- choices as a consumer and certainly when you're analyzing you know for me as someone who's a pretty big disney fan so i hope that they come out and acknowledge this and and do something to make this right i'm not sure what that would be given just the scale of how horrific this is yeah
0: and i right i agree with you like disney is a corporation they're our corporate overlord and I think that what I'm also mad about here, though, is that every article I've read, it's like, Disney has yet to comment. Disney has no comment at this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just waiting on them to say something.
2: Yeah, and beyond the the controversy here, you know, there was even controversy back in the spring when the the star of the movie, Liu Fei actually mm-hmm. tweeted out support for the police in Hong Kong. And, you know... What's occurring in Hong Kong in terms of the crackdown on pro-democracy supporters there has also been terrible to watch unfold over the last year. And, you know, specifically for the actress, it's hard to know, does she really believe what she's tweeting? Or was there pressure from the Chinese government to have her speak out publicly on the issue? Because I've read that that certainly does happen. It's really hard to know what her real opinions are on that issue, but certainly really troubling.
1: The tweet also came out last August, so it was before, I mean, this might have been around the time of development and shooting, and it was in the public eye, and it's just disappointing based on the entire political landscape of the past two years, really.
0: Yeah, and she tweeted, you can beat me up now, like, so she just doubled down on a bad opinion. Yeah. Which you'd like to, again, just to see an apology there. So we talked a little bit about the box office for Mulan. It opened in China with just 23 million, but we did see subscribers for Disney Plus go up. Disney Plus downloads increased by 68% and coincided with a 193% increase in spending on the app from September 4th through 6th. And this is according to Bloomberg and Forbes. So Disney Plus isn't releasing total numbers, so a total dollar amount for Mulan. But the way to track that is through these Disney Plus downloads and then, of course, the spending coincided with the date. I'm curious if on December 4th, Once you don't have to pay the $30, what those numbers will look like if we will see an increase in downloads then and Mm -hmm. how that will compare to this past weekend.
2: December 4th is also really strategic timing for Disney because Disney Plus launched last November and they partnered with uh, Verizon to provide disney plus for free for a year um that's how i have disney pluses through verizon and so by timing it for a disney release for everybody they're opening themselves up to hey should we cancel our disney plus subscription because they'll have mulan coming out and so that's something for them to look forward to but you know especially given just how how the box office has been going with tenants release how much money can any movie make at the box Mm -hmm. office for the foreseeable future
0: we live in a twilight world ryan i don't know
2: i have no idea what you just said but i assume that's because nothing <laughs> in tenant makes sense <laughs> i mean this all goes back to troll's world tour making over two hundred oh, million. Oh my
0: god i know
2: but do you guys see this movie getting any
0: nods just frankly no. i do not not even costume what's tricky there is that we have a lot of period films coming out this year. And I think while these costumes are good, I think that we have Mank, which is set in the 30s coming out. We have Ammonite, which didn't Mm -hmm. get great reviews coming out of TIFF, but still period drama. And I think period films are typically the ones that do well. And I know that in the past, some of those Disney remakes have gone in there to those slots. But I think especially with the backlash, I think that Boycott Mulan will have an impact on that potentially.
1: So even though the Academy hadn't changed the date of the Oscars when Mulan was initially supposed to be released, March is still a really early time for those nominations. And you know, once in a while we do see an early movie like Get Out end up being really well received and re-released, but I really don't think Mulan is that film this year. I mean, maybe you'll see a visual effect thing because we've seen all Disney remakes in there pretty much, but I I wouldn't bet on more than one. Mm.
0: So back in the 90s, we had a separation of the score category. We had Best Music, Original Dramatic Score, and Best Music, Original Musical or Comedy Score, and Mulan was nominated for Best Music, Original Musical or Comedy Score at those Oscars, and... Without some new music here, I mean it can't get nominated yeah. for anything like that, especially with the narrowing of the category.
2: So Oscar hopeful, not looking good.
0: I think Disney should put their eggs in other baskets, maybe.
2: Yeah. Were you expecting different? <laughs> no, that was totally just a question too. So link back to the theme of your guys's podcast.
0: So generally, we've touched on some of the other Disney live action remakes. How do you feel about them? Is this a genre of movie or a type of movie that you like and look forward to? Does it vary?
1: I've said my
2: opinions. So go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> I think you guys will all be shocked to hear that I am all in on Disney remakes, and, and I haven't loved all of them, but I will watch any of them. You know, the first really big Disney live-action remake was Alice in Wonderland, and that was made by Tim Burton, who creeps me out, and so... I definitely skipped that. It made over a billion dollars when it came out. It was really the big first 3D release to come out after Avatar. A lot of theaters were really gearing up and pushing 3D. Um, The theater that I worked at, we actually bought a 3D projector after Avatar came out, and it was so successful. We bought a 3D projector so that we could screen Alice in Wonderland. And I wonder if just the situation where it was a big 3D release is why it was so popular, because the sequel... Uh, follow up, I think, ended up. I don't know if it bombed at the box office, but it did not do well. Tim Burton made the original. He didn't do the sequel. The original made,
1: like you said, over a billion, and the follow up made it back, but it was only because of worldwide box office. Not to
0: be totally cynical, but is there a reason to even make these movies besides to make money? That's why they're being made. Sophia, they're that money is makers. so
2: depressing, and I reject I'm sorry. the concept. <laughs> Look, yes, Disney wants to make... No, that's entirely and, you know, true. know, it's true, but it's also not. Okay, Disney wants to make money, right? I fully support that, but what, what capitalist venture is not out for money? Ultimately, though, they make money by making products that people love. And so Disney knows that if they make a bunch of crap, then they're going to run into the problem that they had before the 90s, where people stopped caring. And so they can only push their luck for so long um, before they hit a dry spell. And so I think it is important that these movies... Are, are not just if they're going to be made that they make them well I was so excited for Lion King to come out and unfortunately that go for you? unfortunately it didn't go super well that movie was a little bit soulless <laughs> the animation was incredible but the story was exactly the same and the music wasn't as good I'm sorry if I'm offending any Beyonce fans I'm more team Taylor but
0: oh my god
2: <laughs> okay we're not going there
1: But that's exactly the point, is that, I mean, rumors came out that, like, Walt Disney put it in his will to have his movies remade every 10 years or so. And it's like, if there's not a point to making it better, then why do it besides make money? And I completely believe what you're saying, Sophia. Like, they're not adding anything besides Tim Burton, really, which I place Alice in Wonderland in, like, this different realm. Because he is just such a unique filmmaker and I think what what he did is not anything we would have expected. It's just I want something better if you're going to remake it and like other studios do this all the time. I mean James Bond is really a remake every few years where they're building on this story so like why not make the Disney stories either more
2: complex that's going to intrigue viewers. Because it's really fun as a Disney fan to get to see The things you grew up with come to life and getting a chance to maybe reinterpret the movie a little bit. Some movies in terms of the remakes have done that more than others. You know, they made a change in Maleficent where Aurora was actually awoken by Maleficent's kiss and her love um, versus a prince. And so it's cool for them to see them take these movies as an opportunity to subvert some of the themes that existed in the originals. And A lot of times those original movies, especially the older ones, do have some problematic themes to them in terms of the roles they place women in. And so I think that these live action movies give Disney a chance to not only update the movies visually, but also to tell a story that maybe is a little more consistent with the values we have in 2020. But I think a few of them were actually pretty excellent. Beauty and the Beast for me is the best and I I don't know if you guys are going to agree with that, and maybe it's because I didn't have a relationship with the original, but I loved Beauty and the Beast remake that that they did with Emma Watson. It gets a lot of hate because people don't like Emma Watson's singing voice. I think she had a fine voice, and I I thought it sounded pleasant, and Dan Stevens, I thought his voice was incredible in in the movie as well, and so I really loved the retelling through Beauty and the Beast, you know?
0: What I will say, I just have a... Hot take Oscar aside here Emma Watson, who I'm not a fan of, it's fine. She was supposed to be in La La Land instead of Emma Stone, so she turned down La La Land because of Beauty and the Beast. And as we know, Emma Stone won the Oscar for Best Actress for La La Land, should have gone to Natalie Portman anyway. I think that if Emma Watson would have been in La La Land, we have reason to believe that the La La Land Moonlight debacle wouldn't have happened. And that is because, Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty read the Best Actress card. And if Emma Watson would have been in that movie, she would not have received a Best Actress nomination, and the problem wouldn't have happened. Moonlight would have gotten to go up on stage and have had their moment, and that's that.
2: Wow that that's incredible. I you know yeah. I think that you need to go like hang out with Marty McFly and 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 maybe take a trip back and get that fixed. <laughs> I actually getting back to the
1: topic um enjoy Beauty and the Beast too no 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 I love the Lala and Moonlight debacle but this for me was like pure fun I enjoyed it people hated on it and I was like you know it's what I went to go see Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: seeing Be Our Guest and all of these objects coming to life and just being so fantastical was what I wanted from Beauty and the Beast and that's what it was. It succeeded and I was happy. I'm not going to Beauty and the Beast to critique anybody's singing. I mean, it has mm-hmm. to be good. And I mean, we could bring up Le Miz if we want to talk about singing <laughs> oh voices, God. which Just... we won't do. <laughs> no, no thanks. <laughs> but it's good enough where it was, you know, enjoyable. It wasn't like auto tune like crazy where you can tell. And that is
2: where my enjoyment of the Disney remakes ends too. So essentially, you like one of the ten movies that they've remade. I
1: watched The Maleficents because they were nominated. I think I might have watched Jungle Book on a plane. I don't really know. Beauty and the Beast, Christopher Robin, I might have cried, but like didn't enjoy. Mary Poppins Returns was good. I'll give it that. I like. I was the so out
2: on Mary Poppins Returns. I was so, so a bored. Lot of people
1: were. <laughs> And I think kind of the same argument as Beauty and the Beast. I just went to enjoy it. And I liked how they redid the music.
2: What about, so you didn't mention Aladdin. Were you a fan of Aladdin? I haven't seen
1: Cinderella, Pete's Dragon, Dumbo Aladdin, Lady and the Tramp.
0: So Aladdin, my only issue with it was that the leads had no chemistry at all. And that was a big deterrent.
2: Well, yeah, sure.
0: I will mention, though, that when I was a kid, I really loved the 101 Dalmatians remake. Have you guys seen this? With With Glenn um, Close. Glenn Close. That's
2: iconic. I have no idea what this is. Really? Oh, Oh my my God. God. You should
0: watch it. That was
1: 1996-
0: Glenn Close was a great Cruella. And then Jeff Daniels is in it and Jolie Richardson. Oh, cast
1: is insane.
0: And Hugh Laurie is one of the robbers. You should definitely watch it. And this is a Disney Disney. production? Yeah.
2: Okay. Is it on Disney Plus?
0: It should be. I think it
2: is, yeah.
0: But I think, too, if we're thinking about these, I like Cinderella, but I think that's probably just because I like Cate Blanchett and Lily James and Richard Madden. And Richard Madden. Madden. Yes. And Uh. the... Prince Charming sucks in Cinderella in the cartoon. He's like, so he's like bored all the time, yawning at the girls. I just don't like him. And Richard Madden, of course, was great. I haven't seen Jungle Book. Haven't seen Pete's Dragon. These are big money makers. And because of that, they're not stopping. So we have a couple of upcoming Disney remakes that we can look forward to or not. I think the most highly anticipated is Cruella coming in 2021. No date, Mm -hmm. of course, yet, but it's set in London in the 70s, and Cruella Deville is this young fashion designer, and she's played by Emma Stone, which I think sounds fun.
2: I mean, I'm in. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm in on the concept.
0: And then we have The Little Mermaid coming.
2: All I know is the casting news, which is that they cast a black actress to play Ariel, and I know, unfortunately, but also predictably, the internet had a field day with that one. Um, but I thought that was really exciting news. I'm, I'm not, I don't really know much else about it. I thought yeah. all of that was
1: for the live musical performance, which already happened is and is with Queen Latifah. I thought <laughs> all of that was the same thing.
0: Nope. It's a movie. Um, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy is playing Ursula.
1: Oh, God. I mean, Melissa McCarthy is a gem. <laughs> and then this in no way can be Disney, but Guillermo del Toro is making Pinocchio next year which sounds incredible
2: incredibly creepy yeah but I love like a dark
1: remake that is what I like totally want is some unique filmmaker i.e Tim Burton remaking a Disney classic in their own
2: perspective so do you guys think like maybe if we you know going back to the conversation of the remakes you know Tim Burton making Alice in Wonderland is an interesting choice for director. Do you think if they were making these films with maybe a little bit more license for those those directors that maybe you'd be more interested in them?
1: Yes, but that's not the Disney image of can we make money off of this? And even though the name is going to do that, if the director were to make it unwatchable for kids, either that's not going to make them money or the flip side is that the director is going to... They're going to stray from what they usually do, and it's not going to be their hand.
0: I agree. So I don't know so much for Disney remakes, but thinking about Marvel, which is also a Disney property, Chloe Zhao doing the Eternals, and then Olivia Wilde making a new Marvel movie coming, I think that that's positive, and I think that, fingers crossed, they let those directors like right. keep their touch, their but magic they, touch on things.
2: Unfortunately, Disney has a bad history of handing interesting directors projects and then pulling control oh. back away from them.
1: So as we've done a few times, we're adding just a little fun game here. It's almost like a movie draft where we're going to name certain categories and we're all going to pick one movie, which sounds insane because there are hundreds of Disney movies over the past almost 100 years. So our categories are Disney Animation, Non-Princess, and then Disney Princess Films, Disney Live Action, Pixar, Disney Channel Original Movies, Lucasfilm, Marvel, and Fox. So we'll go through and name ours. This will be fairly quick. So first up is Disney Animation, Non-Princess Version.
0: What do you have? You go first.
1: This is like the one I'm most proud of of all time, because I love it so much. The Great Mouse Detective.
0: I love that one.
1: (laughs) This needs to be my go-to question, like unique fun fact, because no one would ever pick this out of a list of Disney movies. What about you guys? What do you have?
0: I have 101 Dalmatians, so doing a throwback, I was between two. Candidly, the other was Nightmare Before Christmas, talking about Tim Burton, which I love. Love, love, love. I've already
2: voiced my feelings on Tim Burton earlier.
0: Ugh, get out of here.
2: So for me, my pick is for the the inner 90s kid in me, and it's Lion King. I mean, this one is just my favorite Disney movie. I, I said Aladdin is close, too.
0: Okay, next we have Disney Princess. My pick is completely based on the villain, who is my favorite villain ever. My pick is Sleeping Beauty. I think Princess Aurora is kind of boring as a princess. I think she has the prettiest hair. But I think that Maleficent is just an iconic villain. And it's fitting that when I was a kid, I was obsessed with her and that she held a grudge for not being invited to a party. And now I love the Real Housewives. So. <laughs> for me,
2: for the princess, I would go with Tangled. And Tangled is just such a fun movie that I think a lot of people maybe even miss because Disney went through a lull in the two, early mm-hmm. 2000s. And Tangled was really their comeback where it was actually really phenomenal and the music in it is incredible i put the soundtrack Mm -hmm. on all the time and especially if you missed that one maybe you hopped on when frozen came out a few years later you should definitely go back and watch tangled
1: tangled is definitely in my lower third of
2: disney princess movies so listeners can't see sophia and my eyes just rolling to the back (laughs) of our heads what is your least favorite disney princess movie
0: I think my least favorite Disney princess movie is Brave. It doesn't have the retro quality that I like about the really old ones. And Mm -hmm. I think Tangled is just so much fun. I love the music. It has Broadway legend Donna Murphy.
1: My pick. So I would like to argue that Hercules is like a Disney princess movie in a way. Oh, boy.
0: The queen, Megara.
1: But we won't go there. Okay. And it's, it's really a hard pick. I'd say Mulan is a close second, but I'm picking Moana.
2: Yeah, I fully support that. Moana is so excellent.
1: I think my favorite Disney soundtrack of all time.
2: Yeah, the Lin-Manuel inspiration and his involvement in the soundtrack just, I think, made it so unique and interesting.
0: Okay, next we have Disney live action. Ryan, you're first.
2: So this one is Pirates of the Caribbean for me. I just fell in love with this movie. I, I don't think it was on my radar in seventh grade. And it was just so cool and, and getting a chance to see. And it's so enjoyable. And I would say stop after Pirates of the Caribbean because every other one is trash. But that first <laughs> one is truly a phenomenal film and wasn't written as a, as multiple. So you can definitely watch it standalone.
0: I haven't seen this since I saw it in theaters. I've never rewatched it. Yeah, I don't I, know why I've never revisited it.
2: It holds up really well. I think you should take some time and go rewatch. It, it's a great movie. It's on my like list of favorite rewatchable movies. I do like this as a pick. Yeah.
0: What? <laughs>
2: wow. You know, if I, um, you know, had like an expectations going into this podcast, Nick affirming one of my opinions is just not something I expected. I will say I do hate The Ride though so much. Have you been on the ride since they redid it? I have in Disneyland,
1: and I don't remember if Johnny Depp was in it or not. But I know the one at Disney World was.
2: I think I had been there too.
0: I've never been to Disney, never been <clears throat> to Disney World, never been oh to Disneyland. God.
2: That makes uh, me so sad. It's yeah. it's such a joy.
0: My parents never took me, and I'm definitely not going <laughs> as an adult. So oh my you God, definitely we can should all
2: go. uh I love it so much.
0: Really? I would go oh my gosh.
2: They don't do the fireworks right now, which is like worth half the ticket. So, yeah, i you've I'm seen waiting one set of fireworks, you've seen them all. No, not the They're Disney cool. fireworks. Disney's are
1: cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so my pick was tough. I really wanted to pick the movie I watched the other day, which was the Lizzie McGuire movie.
0: <laughs> nice. I support but, that.
1: Which is an incredible movie, Miss Ungermeyer, Meyer. I mean, but I think I have to choose James and the Giant Peach. Which is such an interesting mix of like stop motion and live action.
0: I loved this one as a kid. It's terrifying, but I love the book too. And this movie's really cool and I think very underrated, despite being very creepy.
1: My other pick um, would have been National Treasure.
2: Oh, that's, <gasps> we just rewatched it over the Fourth of July, and it's, it's such a, it's another really good rewatchable movie. And, and incredible. Yeah.
0: Ugh. I forgot about it, and I'm really mad now because it's one of we. That was Just one of our everything. most rewatched movies for sure.
2: I don't yeah. know how they haven't made a third because, like, Disney's all about making money, and like people would put but that would oh. put butts in seats. I want the that second. Yeah. The second one flopped though. That's disappointing because
0: Book of Secrets
1: I, they were on Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? No, that yeah, was the no.
0: End of it. I know, but I still kind of want it. So my pick is. The 1998 remake, Parent Trap. I love oh. The Parent Trap. It's one of my favorite movies yeah. ever. Um, directed by Queen Nancy Myers, starring uh, Dilphy Dennis Quaid, Natasha Richardson, RIP, and of course, Lindsay Lohan as both twins.
2: Yeah, that was a really fun movie. I've watched that so many times. Just like such an easy and fun rewatch. I mean,
1: Oreos and Peanut Butter can't go mm-hmm. wrong.
0: Okay, so our next category is Pixar, and my pick is Ratatouille. Mm. I love this one. Fun fact
2: I've never seen Ratatouille. Really? Oh my God. Yeah, I missed it. I don't know how.
0: I just, I love cooking, I love cooking shows, I love Paris. You would love it, Ryan.
2: So Pixar, for me, I have Finding Nemo, which was really just my like most rewatched movie in mm-hmm. sixth grade. I still like have memorized P. Sherman 42, Wallaby Way, Sydney. And I kind of just like identify with Dory a little bit in the fact that I, I forget a lot of things, if you ask my husband. So uh, <laughs> it's a really, really fun movie, and I enjoy it every time I watch it. The sequel is not so great. You guys can definitely pass on Finding Dory.
0: Oh, we've passed well, hard.
2: Thank
1: God you agree with that. So my Pixar would be WALL-E, just the it's, most perfect, yeah.
2: I actually considered that one on my list
0: as Me well. Me too.
1: Okay, next up is Disney
2: Channel original movie. What'd you pick, Ryan? So I went High School Musical, which I think, like, I should have known when I was watching this in late high school that maybe I, w- I liked boys, um, but I don't think I was <laughs> fully there yet. And that movie is just so fun. I mean, the, the music in it, the choreography, like... I. It is just a blast and and obviously Zac Efron became a just treasure for millennials because of of that movie series and and he's just aged so well over the last decade
0: yeah Sharpay is my Disney plus avatar (laughs) picture
1: and really High School Musical 3 was it came out when we were graduating high school too and that was like so fun to watch
2: It was one of those perfectly timed movies to where we were at in life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like Toy Story 3. Yep. Yeah. Sophia, what'd you pick?
0: I picked Cadet Kelly. (laughs) There are honestly so many that I really love that are just completely cracked if you rewatch them. Yeah. And I think that one thing I really love about Disney Channel original movies that I don't love about the remakes is that all of these movies are like an hour and 20 minutes it's so nice to just throw them on whereas these remakes are like two hours plus
1: I'm glad you went old school partly because we didn't have cable growing up so I never saw any of the like original DCOM movies
0: oh my god really
1: so I like never saw xenon or cheetah girls or smart house or any like any of them the luck of the Irish yeah and I I mean I probably seen parts over the years but i have to go with one that i've seen and honestly like love
2: <laughs> which is camp rock <laughs> is the jonas brothers are in that right i haven't seen that and one Demi Demi Lovato. Lovato. yep oh wow i mean
0: so next we have lucasfilm
2: which nick is so
1: excited about i literally have a blank for this category wow It is offensive. Part of this comes because I did mention earlier, these are all movies that are available on Disney+. And right now, a lot of the Lucasfilm movies aren't available besides Star Wars.
0: But Star Wars gives you at least a couple to pick from, no?
1: It gives you three. (laughs) Wow. It's not a Star Wars category. It's a Lucasfilm category.
2: So... I love Star Wars, but nobody hates Star Wars more than people who love Star Wars. And so that kind of had to knock out the sequel trilogy for me because they just had no idea how to manage that thing, even though I think there's a lot of great parts about it. So I think what actually ended up being some of the better Lucasfilm movies of late are the independent one-off stories they told. And you guys might think I'm going to say Rogue One, but actually I'm going to swerve here and say Solo, which I actually thought was a really great movie. I think it's treated so unfairly. Obviously, it had some behind-the-scenes mess going on, but I am hashtag Make Solo Two happen. I am out there trying to make that trend on Twitter, and I'm super excited because they're going to do a Lando Calrissian show on Disney Plus. And or I'm so happy they went with Alden Ehrenreich here as as opposed to Ansel Elgort. Great casting choice given what we know about Ansel (laughs) these days.
0: (laughs) I have never seen Solo. That's Off. my, that's my two cents. Yeah, you're there. part of the
2: problem. You're part okay. of the problem. No, right. solo is not good. You've seen it, Nick, or are you just pronouncing this? It was nominated for
1: something, so I had no. to watch it, and I, it was like one nomination.
2: It was not good. It had a great like, trailer. High You just phrase. can't, com-
0: you can't compete with Harrison Ford. I mean, come on. No,
2: I think he did a fin- I honestly think that he did a phenomenal job of learning how Harrison's actually acted out the character of Han Solo. And I think he actually nails the gestures. I think he does an excellent job of making you feel like he is Han Solo.
0: I will say, if I'm cheating just beforehand, I would pick Labyrinth or American So Graffiti. we can cheat. No, oh no, no, I'm just saying. No, 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 I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. But if I have to follow the rules and pick Disney+, Plus, I'm picking my favorite Star Wars movie, which is The Empire Strikes Back episode five okay so
1: see now the game has changed because I I haven't changed the
0: game I'm just saying I mean if I I like
1: I'm sure they'll they'll come out with more Lucasfilm movies on Disney plus so as of now I would have to pick episode five or six but like I'm not invested in that world but if we're not going by what's on Disney plus or what will be on Disney plus is maybe a better way to think about it I would
2: pick Labyrinth or The Land Before Time. The disrespect oh, to Star Wars here is just, just so offensive.
0: I'm really scared to see where Star Wars continues to go, though.
2: No, that they're currently a mess right now. You know, even as recently as this past week, Daisy Ridley was an interview where she said that even as they were filming episode nine, they didn't know who her parents were, which is just so, like, ridiculous. Like, that is, like, negligence.
0: I can't.
1: Okay, next up okay. is Marvel, my favorite category. Nick Sophia, loves you Marvel movies.
0: Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I picked Black Panther, of course, starring the late, great Chadwick Boseman.
2: Yeah, totally heartbreaking. Oh,
0: I think he's fantastic in everything that he's in, but Black Panther, just a true testament, I think, to his heroism.
2: Yeah, I and mean, just consider the performances that he delivered in Black Panther and his other films while battling stage three and four cancer. So, if I could cheat, I would say all of them, but I don't think oh I can. God. So, what I'll say is the movie that encapsulates all of them, which is Endgame, which <laughs> I know you two are going to trash Ugh. me for. Oh,
1: but oh Endgame God. is
2: just such a oh, beautiful summary brings it all together the scenes at the end of endgame where all of the heroes come in and they defeat thanos it's so cool i actually cried during this movie it was so fun it really nails the spirit and brings home just an incredible feat that i think you guys should respect which is taking 20 plus movies and tying them together so that's why i have to say people should definitely hit up endgame okay that was your 25 seconds and now
1: you can never mention Marvel or Endgame ever again.
2: Wow.
0: If you could only pick between Taylor Swift's Endgame and Avengers Endgame, what would you pick?
2: That's so hard, but I mean, I do love Endgame, Taylor Swift, but that's like a four minute song and I still got the rest of reputation. So I'm going to go ahead and say Endgame, the Marvel movie.
0: Okay. Nick, what would you pick for your Marvel movie?
1: See, this was where I was supposed to cheat and change the game. Because since you picked Black Panther, I am not choosing a Marvel category. And I am double nominating a
2: non-princess movie. (laughs) This is like eye roll to the extreme. The disrespect for Star Wars, now the Marvel (laughs) erasure.
1: (laughs) So I am nominating Fantasia here. (laughs) Okay, wow. That's, that's where this has gone.
0: <laughs> okay, last category, Fox. Ryan.
2: So my Fox pick is The Greatest Showman, which is essentially a Disney movie even before Disney bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent music throughout. Zac Efron returns to what is now Disney as a part of this movie. Um, Zendaya is in it, and th- they're incredible. Hugh Jackman, who actually is a person who can sing, And so Mm -hmm. it's enjoyable to see him in a movie musical. I mean, really, a lot of times these live action movie musicals don't have great singing. And so for this film to just have phenomenal singing in it and and just how fun it is, it's always you you can't go wrong revisiting this one. Another great soundtrack. I agree. The movie's trash, but the soundtrack is... (laughs) Well, I'm gonna disregard that offensive take again from Nick, and I will add. I will instead add to his comment and say they did a reimagined soundtrack as well with contemporary yeah, pop artists. Yeah, that's so good. That is really good, and, and people uh, should definitely look that up as well.
1: From now on, by the Zac Brown Band, I play that so often. What?
2: No, it's so good. It's 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 the it best song so on the reimagined soundtrack. It is for sure. really.
1: It's just such an uplifting song. And I will say that while it's trash, I do want to watch it again because the music is so good. But like when I saw it, that was at an East
2: Village theater, and I was just like, why? Why is this happening? I actually watched this movie with Sophia, but not yeah. with Sophia, because both we went her to the family, same showing. Yeah, my I, me and my husband went, and her family showed up to the same showing.
0: Yeah. It was over Christmas. My dad hated it. Hated it. Which is
2: shocking because we all generally agree with him on most things.
0: I know you really do, but he just, he was not into it.
2: My pick
1: is Fantastic Mr. Fox.
0: My favorite Wes Anderson, I think.
1: I agree. Yep. I think my first too. And I fell in love.
0: My pick is one of my favorite movies of all time. One of my most quoted Home Alone. Uh, Oh yeah. yeah.
2: I didn't know that was on Disney+. Yeah. I didn't
0: either until I was looking and saw it and thought oh my god yes yeah this is my nobody bag, hands nobody
2: down. can
1: dispute that bag. turns 30 later this year we'll be doing another pot on that too
0: oh yes I can't wait for that one all right so we've gone through finally
1: <laughs> way too many
0: <laughs> way too many Disney movies
1: Ryan have you
2: enjoyed being here yeah you know this has been a blast I would say that I'm shocked that I I wasn't kicked out about halfway through so it's been a blast hanging out with you guys and and thanks for inviting me on to talk about Disney which I love
0: yeah we loved having you and getting to talk to you about Disney plus and Mulan of course and I think we will continue to talk to you as more Marvel movies come out because we definitely need a resident expert on that topic Clearly. So
2: is are we going to have to, like, tape Nick's mouth shut for that podcast? <laughs> I will be away, yes.
1: But, yeah, you're making Oscar Wilde more relatable for the fans, so...
2: I am a man of the people. Thank you. So I'm you glad are. that I could be here for that for you guys. That's
0: why I included that in your introduction. I really believe it. All right, well, on our next episode, as we mentioned at the beginning, we will be talking about Christopher Nolan's Tenet, Tenet which... I think we still don't really know what that means, but we'll figure it out maybe by then.
1: (laughs) We will try for sure.
0: Thank you again to Ryan, and we will see you next time. Stay safe and wear your masks.
1: Thanks, everyone.